you have your copy of the scriptures, I would invite you to turn with me to Psalm 96. Psalm 96. And as you do so, I just want to mention a couple things. First and foremost, it has been a great delight and pleasure to be with y'all this weekend. Uh, We are thankful for supporting churches. Uh, One of the things that is always overwhelming is to hear churches that pray for missionaries. The Lord keeps saving people and he answers prayers. And today during the sermon, I'm going to make a mention about somebody in our congregation who just came to know the Lord a few months ago. And so keep praying because the Lord does answer prayers. Pray for salvation. Continue to do so. Thank you for praying for the work in Honduras and for your support of our work in Honduras. Also, I mentioned in the earlier service that one of our elders, he has a daughter who has diabetes and uh, each Sunday morning, he wakes up and he turns on Second Prez and he watches Second Prez, the early service from Tegucigalpa, Honduras. And so you never know how far the ministry goes. You're having much impact even in Honduras and it's a huge blessing to us. Now as we turn our sights to the word of the Lord, I would ask you to pay close attention because this is our God speaking to us and the word of God is the power unto salvation. So hear God's words from Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens... Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For He comes, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come before your word knowing that you are faithful to your word, that we come wanting to know more of Christ. We have sung, even during this service, lift high the cross. We have have sung the reality that we Long that your promise would be fulfilled, that you would call people unto yourself. Oh, Lord, we pray that even today, even at the hearing of the word, that sinners would be brought home, that Christians would be encouraged, that we would be pointed heavenward, that your name would be magnified amongst us, that we would be more captivated with our God. But most of all, oh, Lord, we pray, as we know from the song May the mind of Christ our Savior, that they that listen would forget the channel and that they would only see you and that you would be glorified. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. As we come to this text during the weekend, what we have been seeing or trying to see is how 
go, knowing your God and studying your God or having, if you look in the Gospels, encounters with your God cause naturally worship. So as we looked at Isaiah 6 in the evening, you see that, that Isaiah has come into the presence of a holy God and his response is that he longs to be sent out to speak about this holy God. As we looked with the men at the, the um, demoniac having the demons cast out from him, the legion of demons cast out from him, we see how his response was, I want to go with you, Jesus. And Jesus says, go back and tell everyone in your town about what Christ has done for you. As we come to this text, we look at how the psalmist is calling us to worship. He is commanding us to worship and to study our God. And as we study our God, as we understand more of who he is and what he has done, it causes us to long that others would know who our God is and what he has done. That we would be captivated with our God. And my hope this morning is that we can see this briefly through four different points. The first point being the command to worship. The second point being the content of our worship. The third being the evangelistic nature of our worship. And the fourth being he will receive worship. So the command to worship, the content of our worship, the evangelistic nature of worship, and he will receive worship. The first point being the command to worship. We can see it from the very outset of the text. We're told, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. There is a calling of the people to recognize who their God is. That this God whom they serve, the one that we serve, is a God who deserves their worship. He is a God that has has told his people to come into his presence and bring worship. And it's not the only place that we see it in this text. You continue down in verse 3. It says, declare his glory among the nations. If you look down in verse 7, it says, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And then again in verse 8, ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. We can see time and time again in the text that the expectation... The command of the psalmist is that we would worship this God. That before giving us the content of the worship, there is a a necessity that we should understand that this God is worthy of our praise. And we are commanded to worship him. As we saw in Isaiah chapter 6 the other night, the response of the, the created being who is out without sin, he naturally, the, the angels naturally worship this God. Because he is holy, holy, holy. And he is deserving of our worship. And so we are called first and foremost to recognize that we as believers are to sing a new song. He does not have to give us the reasons why we are to worship him. Even though we will see in this text why we are to worship him. The first thing that we see is that we are commanded to worship. As we think about missions, that is why we are planting churches and we want to see churches planted in all places because we long that worship would be taking place. We want to see people gathered together to ascribe to the Lord the glories that are due his name. We want people to gather together and be captivated by this glorious God because he has called us and created us for for worship. That's what John chapter 4, when you have 
the woman at the well coming into contact with Jesus, he, Jesus says to her that my father is looking for worshipers and worshipers that worship in spirit and in truth. So the idea is that we should be worshiping. And that's why it's so encouraging when you have guys like Bertie Kona and Mark Quo and other men that are going to plant churches because the goal is that they would gather worshipers. People who want to come and sing a new song to our God because of who he is and what he has done. So as we look at missions and we think about missions, we must see and understand that the propeller of missions is worship. It is worship. We long that God would be glorified, that people would know this God and sing his praises for who he is and and what he has done. And that's where we go into the second point and we see the content of what God calls them to, to worship him for. He goes into the details as we look at verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. He says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. His marvelous works among the peoples. In verse 5, for All the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So in essence, what the psalmist is encouraging us to do in our worship, to have our content in our worship filled with who God is and what God has done. Who God is and what he has done. So first and foremost, we see who he is as we see that we're to ascribe to him all this worship for his glory and strength, his splendor and majesty, for the works that he's done. But as we stare at the glory of this God, we are to study the depths of who our God is. As we know him more and more, as we understand his attributes, as we understand his character and his grace and his mercy and who he is. We understand better how to worship him, that we long to know more of our God and who he is. And and when we look at the text, the, the name that is given is Lord, which is Yahweh. And you can remember back when the name Yahweh was given to God's people at the burning bush with with Moses. And Moses is standing there and, and he hears that he is Yahweh and then he connects his name to his people. He says, I am Yahweh. And then he says, the father of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. The God of the covenant. And so what we see is that God forever in giving this name is welding his name to who his people are. I am this God. I am going to name in my very name of who I say that I am. I am going to weld you to myself. I am going to say, I am the God of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. And even today, as we heard in the prayer, that we can be so much like Jacob. We sense in hearing who God is. We know what he has done. He has shown his faithfulness in being our God and and connecting himself to us. And then in Hebrews chapter 2, we read, did we not? That Jesus took on the form of flesh. So that he could sympathize with us and he could understand our temptations and that he would be named, he would name us as brothers and sisters with him. 
Do you see that what we see in this text is that God is saying, look, I want you to worship me for who I am. I am your God. And I am a God who will be faithful to to you. I am the covenant-keeping God, the one who has been the same yesterday, today, and forever. I will keep my word. I am an immutable God. And so when we come to worship, we come because of who He says He is. As He connects Himself to us. And it is Him who has come to us. And we study more of the depth of who this God as we look at His splendor and majesty and His glory and His strength. In the town that I live in, in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, it's an old mining town. Uh, a lot of Tegucigalpa got started because people were mining for gold and silver. And so it's just a big valley. And until two years ago, we had the most dangerous runway in the world, or one of the most dangerous runways in the world. And it was one of my favorite places to land, not because it was dangerous, uh, but it was because when you would go around, you'd come into the valley, and all these houses have been built up the valley. I've lived there for half my life. But as you're flying over, you see all these different houses and you go, oh, I've never seen that before. And look, that's new. And you got to see because Honduras is built on top of itself because there's not enough room. And so these neighborhoods are packed in. So you see new things. And in the very same way, that is what we're to do with singing a new song to the Lord. We are to study our God and see the depths of who He is and learn more and more each and every passing day the glories of this God because for all of eternity we will never reach the end of this infinite God. We are only beginning to scratch the surface of who our God truly is and how majestic and glorious and how powerful He truly is. And so we're invited to be those who study this God and see who He is and understand His grace and mercy and kindness to us. But it's not just, it is not just for who He is, but what He has done. You see, it says in the the text that we are to declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among the peoples. We're to speak of or tell of His salvation from Day to day. I heard Pastor Robin say one time that it always bothers him when people are praying and they say, Lord, we just praise you for who you are. And then they never say anything else. He said, that wouldn't work with your wife, would it? Right? She, she would go, well, tell me who I am. And you better have an answer. And in the same way, we look at our God and we praise him for who he is. And what He has done. And we long to tell about what He has done for us. And we speak of His salvation. We have been those who have received the Lord Jesus Christ. If we know Christ this day, He has brought us from death to life. That He has brought us into saving faith. And we should long to speak of that from moment to moment. That it should be with great joy that we are speaking of what God has done for us in salvation. Longing that those around us know the glories of our God and what He does. But also looking at creation. Stayed in a hotel right up here and I had a view this way towards the mountains. And you look out and you, you feel so small when you look at the mountains. And you think, 
wow, I am so, so insignificant, but yet the scriptures tell me that God has designed me and made me and is being faithful to me in showing me grace and mercy. And if you are sitting here where you can hear my voice, he is showing you mercy currently and allowing you to hear the word of God. If you're an unbeliever, I would plead with you to come to this Christ. I would plead to you to come to this one who freely offers himself. Come and rest in the Lord Jesus Christ who gives salvation, who is the only one who can give salvation. Salvation comes through him. Come to this Christ. And then we are to speak of his creation. And then in verse 5, we, it, we see the same thing for who he is as creator. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord, the Lord made the heavens. So we're to speak of our God in these ways and be captivated by who He is and what He's done. But if we're being honest, brethren, oftentimes we're so caught up with what's going on in our lives and being navel gazers that we lose our focus on the glory of this God. Hard providences come in or difficult things and we begin to let ourselves speak ill of what God has done in our lives. I was thinking about it just the other day as we had to move houses uh, a few years back and it was unexpected and we didn't really want to move. It was the house where our ch- the church plant had started. So there was a ton of memories of having hospitality in our house, the first Bible studies, And just unexpectedly, the owner called me and said, my daughter's getting married. We need the house back in three months. And it was shocking. And so then fast forward a couple months and we had moved to a new house. And it was actually, it's a nicer house. It's, It's more spacious with five kids and we're thankful for that. And I had two unbelieving friends come over. And they were asking me about, isn't this great? Aren't you so blessed to have this new house? And all I did was complain. Oh, it's not the old house. I wish the other neighborhood. I wish that. I wish that. I did the exact opposite of what this text is teaching us to do. I complained about God's providences instead of singing His glory in front of a watching world. Unbelievers hearing me complain about what is going on. And I think so often we get so caught up in our situations and what's going on in our life and the providences that are hard that we forget about the God of salvation, the God of creation, the one who has brought life through from death by the power of his word. And oftentimes we grow cold to that reality in looking at the glory of our God and our tongues are not held back and we speak not meaningfully, but harmfully in our testimony to a watching world and that kind of takes us into the third point that as we study our God there's an evangelistic nature of worship you can see it again in verses two and three sing to the Lord bless his name tell of his salvation from day to day and then three Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. And if you hop down to verse 10, it says, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the Lord is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. You see, as we worship 
it drives us out to speak about this God who has shown us grace and mercy and He is majestic and worthy of our praise. You see, the the logical response as we understand more and more the depths of our God, as we have a new song brought to our tongue, as we think deeper and deeper about the glory of our God, what it causes is that we would long that other people would know about this, that we would long that other people would hear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the question becomes, Are we so captivated with our God that it is causing us to open our mouths towards our neighbors, towards our co-workers, towards our children, towards our unbelieving family, towards all these people who live around us in Greenville? I mentioned it on Friday night. The advantage of living in Greenville is it feels like everybody from everywhere is moving to you. You just get to go out here and talk to people. But oftentimes the reason that our our tongues are not loosed is because we are not actually captivated with our God. We're not overwhelmed with who He is and what He's done for us. And what it causes us to, to see and understand is that Our God is not very convincing to a watching world oftentimes because our God is not very convincing even to our own hearts. Because we don't study how majestic He is and how glorious He is. And we don't study the salvation that He has given to us. We've been forgetful about how the Lord is still calling people from death unto life. It happened six months ago in our church in Honduras. A young man sitting in an evening worship service. He lives with us. He's a college kid. He was sitting during our pastor preaching uh, through Luke. And after the service, I walked up to him and he couldn't even make eye contact with me. And I said, hey, what's going on? And as soon as he made eye contact with me, he just started weeping. I said, let's go up to my office. We got into my office and I said, what is going on? And he said, Aaron, I've never in my life felt so unworthy and so sinful. But I've never in my life understood the grace of God like I understand it now. And what he was doing to my heart was reminding me that our God is still at work. Our God is still calling people unto himself. He's still saving and we should testify to that. We should long that people hear that and know that. And maybe we're not the best at it, so we invite them into the church. It actually happened yesterday. Hugh Player and I went walking halfway to traveler's rest and then back and as we came back we we got on the bridge and we met a family from atlanta and they asked us to take a picture and so i took a picture and afterwards Hugh started asking them you know where do you go to church and and was trying to engage them and the guy was like oh well we got to get back to atlanta real real early in the morning i mean we were hoping that a church would have an early service and Hugh goes we got an eight thirty service and the guy got really uncomfortable because now it's, I've got an answer. But you see, what, what we see in the text is that you are to proclaim these things regardless of how the people react to you. Whether the person gets uncomfortable or not, we are going to speak of our salvation. We're going to speak of the works of our God. We're going to testify to who He is and what He has done. 
Because we believe in the character of our God. We believe that he is the promise-keeping God that from Genesis 3.15 all the way to Revelation 2 today is still being faithful to his word and he's calling people in time and time again. You see, it drives us out. It drives us to preach and teach and speak. So the question becomes, is that what we're doing? Are we so captivated by our God that our tongues are always ready to speak of the glorious riches that are freely offered in the gospel? Of what we have received through Christ Jesus? Are we convinced of who our God is and therefore long that the nations hear that they hear of the marvelous works among all the peoples. That the Lord reigns. And that is a fact and it's an immovable fact. That we long that people would see the glory of God and come to saving faith. Or, or do we find ourselves more complaining about as the negative side of this would go, complaining about our difficulties and our circumstances. Almost showing a watching world that our God is unimpressive. And not seeing that even through hard providences, our God is being faithful to us to make us like Jesus and to finish the work he began in us. And so we see in this text that this, as we study and understand the glory of our God, as we study His character and what He has done for us, it drives us out. It drives us like the woman in the well after she's come into contact with Jesus, going back to her city after Jesus has dealt with all her sin and the men that she has been with and the one that she's with is not her husband. And then she goes back to the city and says, you've got to come see this one who has told me, told me everything about myself and still willingly brings me in. That's another reason we've sung it today, actually. It's another reason if you're an unbeliever here to come to this God, there is nothing that you have done that he cannot overcome with his grace and mercy. Covenant children, come to this Christ. Backslidden Christian, come to this Christ. He's willing and able to receive you. Believer, be encouraged that this Christ is still on the move and being faithful to his word. But also the final thing we see in this text is that he will receive worship. You see in verses 11 and following, it says, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. You see that God is saying that Christ will come and receive the worship that is due his name. That all of creation sings to His praises. That all of creation rejoices at who He is. The seas roar and all that fill, they exult the glory of this God. 
My wife is from Chula, Mississippi, where Dr. Pipa is uh, what pastored back in the day. And uh, my wife told me many a times that I had never seen stars like you see in the delta of Mississippi. I thought, well, I don't know about that, but we'll give it a try. And so the first time I went to visit her dad and mom in Chula, Mississippi, we went outside the first summer's night, and she was right. I had never seen stars like that. Absolutely captivating how amazing this panorama of stars that God had put in the skies. And in essence, the text is telling us all of creation sings the glory of God. All of creation exalts His name and everything in it. And then all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for He is coming and He will judge righteously. Because this God is one who will receive honor and glory that is due His name. That we as people should be longing to speak of this reality. That this is a God who is faithful to His Word. That He is a God who has created all things. That He rules over all things. So what it leads us to, what it leads us to, is that we should long that there are more worshipers. We should long that your neighbors, that your co-workers, that your friends at school kids... Whether those are your siblings if you're homeschooled like my kids. Or your friends at school, at the school you attend. That they would know the glory of this God. That they would come and worship and gather together recognizing their need of this God. Because He is worthy of praise. Is that our heartbeat? Is that our longing? Is that our longing in missions? Is that what we pray for Mark and Birdie and myself and other missionaries, for Andy Young, that the heartbeat would be not that we would remember the vessel, but that we would remember the Christ of the vessel, that we would long that men would go to preach Christ and Him crucified, and that we would lift high the cross of Christ. Because we don't want people coming to churches for personalities. We want them coming to churches because Christ is being magnified. Because the pulpit is being protected by the Word of God. And we long that people, when they come, they come into contact with a holy God who hates sin, but is willing and able through Christ Jesus and through the sending of the Holy Spirit to call people unto Himself. And that we're convinced of that and we're praying for that. That we look at the empty seats and we say, oh man, that these would be full too. Somebody told me the other day, our church, last Sunday, in God's kindness, we have 130 seats at the church. And there were 126 people at church. And I was like, I was stressing about chairs. And somebody I was visiting with this week said, I'm just praying that those last four get filled up. And I was like, well, what do we do then? We'll figure it out. That shouldn't be the problem. We should be longing that more of Greenville and more of China and more of Honduras and more of Brazil and more of every area that the nations would proclaim the glory of God and that it would start with us, brethren. That they would see it in us. That we are overwhelmed and captivated by our God because He is glorious. He deserves honor and glory that is due His name because of who He is and what He's done. And just as a final kind of push uh, as a missionary, 
I pray all the time for our supporting churches that they would send missionaries out. Young people, kids, I'm desperately hoping that some of you will go to the mission field. Not desperately hoping, praying that the Lord would send you. But also, that in where the Lord has set the bounds of your habitation, that we would be faithful, that you would be faithful to speak of this God and testify of what He has done. I was listening to Mark a little bit this morning and he was talking about how the idea that when people are called and they're saved and they're converted, that they should stay in their jobs and continue to testify. Not everybody's going to be called to be a missionary. But you have neighbors who probably don't know Jesus. You have co-workers that don't know Christ. That we would be active in telling them what we have found. I found the best thing that there is on the face of the planet. I, could, I confess to you, brethren, that I'm still not the best at it. Two nights ago, I sat up here and drank a beer at a, at a place. Maybe I shouldn't have said it like that. But I sat up here and, and had a beer. And uh, sat down next to me, a guy with an accent. And uh, I started chatting with him. He's from Germany. He's here for six months. His name's Timo. Timo doesn't know the Lord. But in our conversation, I told him I was a preacher. I never asked him outright if he knew the Lord. And I walked away going, Aaron, you're going to go preach on Sunday about testifying about who God is. I tell you that as somebody who struggles to do it as well. But brethren, we should be so overwhelmed by our God that the reaction of what people think, we long to sing the praises of our God and that thrusts us into telling of the salvation that we have received, of the marvelous work He has done. That I was dead and now I'm alive. I was lost and now I'm found. I had no inheritance and now I do. I had no name and now I have a new name. And I am adopted. And I am a son of the living God. And that we would testify to that on a daily basis. In our homes, to our co-workers, to our wives, to our husbands. To everyone we come in contact with. That God might be glorified. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy to us. We thank you that you are more faithful to your word. Uh, than I am, O oh Lord. We thank you that your word does not return void, that it is sharper than any double-edged sword. We bless your name, O oh Lord, that you are the God of salvation. We bless your name that it is your work to call people home, that it is your work to cause the gospel to take root in the lives of people. I pray for those who do not know you this morning, O oh Lord, in this congregation. I pray that they would turn and repent and see that their only hope can be found in the Lord Jesus Christ, that everything else will be fleeting, everything else will, will leave them empty, but Christ can give is the answer to their need. Oh Lord, I pray for believers that they would be 
be given holy boldness in who you are, that their confidence in speaking the glorious riches of Christ would come because of who you are and what you have done and not in their ability to communicate it. Oh Lord, we pray that we would be a people who constantly study who you are, that we would grow in our love and affection for you, that we would grow in our understanding of who you are and what you've done for us, that we might bring you the honor and glory that is due your name. Lord, we ask even now, even now for churches that are gathering together worldwide, we pray for faithful preachers that will preach Christ and Him crucified and not themselves. We pray for the missionaries of this church. We pray as they gather this Lord's Day in worship that there would be people who are saved even this day, O Lord that you might receive the glory and honor. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.